welcome to another episode of Footnotes. But first, I want to thank our friends at Expansive Coworking here in Columbia, South Carolina. They're at the corner of Maine and Lady, and they let us shoot our episodes uh, here today. So thanks for that. But on today's episode, we're going to be talking to Anna Edmonds, and she is the editor-in-chief and publisher of The F-Suite Magazine. And it's a magazine that's focused on, on women in business and telling those stories that need to be told. And we have a great conversation about a lot of things. We talk about what it's like for women in business, but one of the things that I've really got out of this, and, and I think that this is important for people who are watching this, but we talk about some serious things that people go through when they think about they're not qualified or they're not able, uh, but it's really not true. So stay tuned and check this out. Anna, thanks for joining us here on, on Footnotes. And, and we've got Anna Edmonds here, who's the managing editor and the publisher of the F-Suite magazine. And um, Anna, I know you and I have had a couple of conversations leading up to this. And I thought it was just really interesting as to why you started what you did with the magazine. So why don't we just start there with, you know, what is the F-Suite? Where did it come from? And how, how did you get there? Okay. Well, the F-Suite is a print and digital magazine that it's local to Columbia, and we focus on female entrepreneurs and small business owners. So it's a magazine that helps them be better business owners, and we also profile business owners in the community who are su successful so that they can serve as inspiration to up-and-coming entrepreneurs and small business owners. Where it came from is um, I have a background in magazines. I've been editing for a while and I really enjoy the work, but I was working with a different publisher and I thought the magazine needed improvements and the publisher did not. And um, after about a year or so, he got tired of what he thought were complaints when really they were, I think we can do this better kind of comments from me. And he said, well, if it was your magazine, what would you do? And I said, I literally said without thinking, I just said I would turn it into a women's business magazine because we are a working town and we already have a lifestyle magazine that's doing very well. And he laughed at me and I took that as a gauntlet and I turned to the graphic designer who was also a freelancer. We weren't employees, we were freelancers. And I said, I'm gonna finish my time out here with this guy, put in a full year and then I'm out of here and I'm really gonna do this. Are you coming with me? And she basically said, Yahoo, let's go. So <laughs> here we are almost three years later. It took us about a year to put a prototype together and I gathered all my writer and photographer friends and asked them to donate one piece of work. I would never not pay them again because too many writers don't get paid around here or anywhere. I said, I'll never ask you that again, but I need to get this off the ground and then I will be able to give you work on a regular basis if this goes. And they all did. So um, we haven't looked back since. Here we are. <laughs> so, so when that publisher sort of opened the door, which I'm, I, I think he didn't really know what he was getting into. No, when I'm, he opened I'm sure that he's door, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> when he opened the door and asked you, what would you do? And, and, and you said you would turn it into a, a, a women's business magazine. Why did you, why was that your, why was that almost an instantaneous response for you? I don't have a perfect answer for that because I had not researched it or anything. I just have been in Columbia long enough and know the town long enough to know that it can't really carry 
too many lifestyle magazines. I mean, it's no secret that Columbia Metropolitan is doing a great job, and then Lexington's got one, and there's a couple other smaller ones. But it can only handle so much. Um, there's not that much lifestyle in Columbia to go around. And I don't say that as a criticism. I knew we're not a resort town, we're not a beach town, we're not New York, we're Columbia. And we're lawyers and we're professors. What's there to say? But I knew that we were a working town and the advertisers he was seeking, he was looking you know, for these high-end dress shops and everything. I'm like, but we don't shop like that here. We shop at Kohl's. Yes, there's a small segment of our society that shops in these higher end up Divine Street and no criticism to that either, but we are a working town. We don't make two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars a year. We're lucky if we make eighty thousand dollars a year around here. It's it's a working town and you need a working magazine. That that was my thinking. And why wouldn't I do it for women? They're more fun. <laughs> interesting in in that way in that respect but it sounds like you you knew that there was not that they needed a focus though and so with your focus on women and then in, in business I mean what what were the stories that you knew were out there that needed to be told quite honestly I didn't know that they were out there as soon as it came out of my mouth and I knew I was going down that road it was not going to be for entrepreneurs and small business owners it was going to be just strictly a women's business magazine and when I began to do my due diligence, I, I found out what's going on in the entrepreneur, what's going on in entrepreneurism today. That the last economic crisis back in 2008, 2009, birthed all these entrepreneurs because nobody could find a job. I was one of them. I had to go back to college and reinvent myself. Wow. Um, which is a whole different story. But the biggest winners out of all that were the women. Women have to find a way to make money. They have children to feed. Um, again, men have children to feed too, but when men walk, it's usually the woman that's left with the kids and she's gonna feed them. And she's gonna figure out a way to do that. And that's what entrepreneurism is all about if there's no jobs out there to be had. So I started looking into this. I went up to the Richland Library Business Center, started doing some due diligence and some research, and I found out not only was this, this huge rise in entrepreneurism in the last 10 years, but that women were at the forefront of it, and that South Carolina at the time was in the top five, and Columbia was at the top of the heap in the state. I'm like, I'm onto something here. I still am. I mean, it, the entrepreneur market here in Columbia is growing. Greenville is another hotbed. Um, I'm the only magazine in the country doing this, the only. And I didn't know that until my business mentor told me that. He couldn't believe it. And he started researching. He said, you're the only person targeting micro and small business owners who are women. How does it feel to be the only one? Lonely. <laughs> but but good. I mean, it's quite a coup because I, I just stumbled upon it. Mm -hmm. um, I'll be quite honest. I have another magazine that I stumbled upon that I'm not ready to put out there yet, but it will be even bigger. It, it reaches a bigger market than women entrepreneurs and small business owners. It, it's just, I'm not going to call it a gift. I think when you find where you're supposed to be in life, these things happen and um, doors open, ideas flourish, and um, the people around you 
inspire you, and all of a sudden you realize, oh my gosh, that's a genius. So I can't wait to tell everybody what it is. A few people know what it is, but it's even more exciting than the F Suite. Okay. Well, I, I look. I, I really look forward to hearing about that because I know you and I have had other conversations, like I said, leading up to this and, and, and more of your background. But something that you and I were talking about leading up to this is, you know, you, you were sharing some of your own stories in, in business and how things have gone uh, well and how they've gone they've gone not well. But one of the th things you brought up to me was that um, you've seen this in, in your life, but you, you think that it's a, it's a thread out there in, in the world of work, especially as it relates to women, but sort of the imposter syndrome. Oh gosh. What is, what does that mean? What is it? And, and what do you do about it? How long do we have to talk about <laughs> this? <laughs> imposter syndrome, which everybody suffers from at some level, for maybe a minute or an hour or a lifetime. We all experience it. And it's the sensation or the feeling that you are putting on an act that you're not really who you are or what people think you are. So I, in my position, am a publisher and a managing editor, which means I'm a professional writer, I'm a journalist. But there's times when I feel like I'm just starting out and I don't even know what I'm talking about. I have a proofreader who proofs everything that I've already edited. And I hired her for that reason. But she comes back with so many corrections that it makes me doubt myself. <laughs> but I know in my head, when I dissect the whole thing, that's not the kind of editor I am. There's different kinds of editors. I'm the big picture editor. It's called substantive editing, where I can move the parts of the, the essay or the article around. I can f have the writer focus more. It doesn't mean I don't know grammar and punctuation, and so I know all that, but I'm so busy reading the text and making sure that the reader can follow it correctly, that those other smaller pieces of it are not important to me, which is why I had to hire a proofreader. Too many mistakes were going out. Mm -hmm. So I feel like an imposter as an editor, but I know in my head that I'm not. I'm an amazing editor. Um, my writers tell me that they love working for me because I'm more of a writing coach. Most editors, red line, what they don't want. It's just out, and then they change it and fix it. That will never happen with me. I send my writers back after I've gone through it with suggestions in the margin. What about this, or why did you do that? Or I, I tell them why I want them to change it or why I moved this so that they can get the feedback. Even to professional writers, I do that. And more than one has come back and said, oh my gosh, this is like having a private writing lesson with you. So I know I'm good at what I do, and I put together an amazing product, so I've been told, I'm pretty proud of it. But I still, what I, if I were to walk into a room, let's say a conference of editors, I would feel very inadequate. And that's, I don't know what you do about it except to quit believing the lies in your head. Um, you know what you are, people have told you what you are, you've proven what you are but those voices are nothing but lies that you keep telling yourself. They're not true. Do you think that holds 
people back. Yes. People like me who recognize it only sink down into the syndrome temporarily they know to call a friend and cry over the phone, I'm feeling really bad about this, or, you know, whatever it is, or they recognize it very quickly. Some people hire a coach, personal coach or whatever. Uh, they seek a counselor. There's ways to get through that, or maybe your spouse is really good, or there's ways to get around that. But I think that people suffer from that much like they do depression. It's a hidden thing that nobody wants to talk about. So we address it all the time in the magazine. I've written an article on it. Somebody else wrote one about it. A lot of people poo-poo it. I see it on social media. Let's quit calling imposter syndrome what it is and just giddy up, let's go. And I'm like, you can't, you have to learn how to overcome that. And um, so I, because I suffer from it so badly myself, I'm more than willing to help others tread over that too. I don't know if you relate to that at all. I think everybody suffers from it to some degree. Yeah, I, I, I've definitely felt unqualified. Um, I've definitely felt in over my head, especially in a group of people that might do what I do professionally, um, who might be, who might have a podcast. Yes. You know, who, who may uh, just do things that people are able to look at from the outside. Um, I, but I, but I think, and I think in the conversation, one conversation that you and I had. Maybe as a, as a man, I might handle it a little bit differently than a woman would. And I know you and I have talked about that. I mean, can you share a little more about, for women, how is that experience different than for men? Well, you yourself told me a story about being in the bank and witnessing it firsthand, that if you and I walk into the bank and you talk to that manager and I talk to that manager and we're both in there going in there asking for a $50,000 line of credit, you're going to get treated very differently than I am, more than likely. It doesn't mean I won't get the line of credit, but the way I'll be talked to, um, the level of respect, I might be looked at as if I don't understand, or if I begin to ask questions because I don't understand, it's gonna come back in jargon that I still don't understand. Um, I'm the first one to admit I don't do numbers, I don't do money, it's a foreign language to me. So I'm gonna ask a lot of questions. I might even bring a friend in with me, but that doesn't mean that you need to treat me like, some, like a lower class of, of person right. because I don't understand something. I'm trying to understand. Um, I think depending on the business you're coming in with. A lot of people ask me, like, what in the world made you think of this business? Well, I didn't come in here to have you ask me that. <laughs> Just, you know, <laughs> did you ask John that? Right. You know, they ask us different questions. And um, you can ask anybody who has been in for a job interview. Uh, a woman who has kids at home or just got married, are you planning on having kids? Those questions still get asked. That's craziness right. that they don't ask you those things, right? Yes. Yeah, I've never been asked about um, how many children I'm planning to have. Or that you do have. Are you carpool right. guy? Do you, right. do you get, are you the one called when the kid is sick? Nobody asks you those questions. I mean, and we may run out of batteries for this, but why do you think that happens? I mean, what's your what's your take on this? After years of experience in the business world, different careers, uh, good times, bad times, recessions, I mean, wh 
Why do you? It, it, it why comes, are we still there in 2021? I think women are have taken two routes to fight against that. Because first of all, it's a culture thing. I grew up in a family with three girls and two boys, and we did the kitchen chores and the boys did the mowing the lawn. I mean, it's just kind of a cultural thing. So th that's the way it goes. And so I had a dad that thought like that. And so now my brothers think like that. They still do. I love you guys if you're watching this. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but the women to combat that since the 70s when like women's lib and all this feminism kind of uh, took hold or was trying to take hold, they either went about it very meekly, you know, they went out into the workforce, but they still took all that culture with them. Uh, you know, like, Anna, can you, you know, we're having a meeting, can you be the one to make the coffee or can you take the notes? Take your own damn notes, you know? That's what I would say to somebody today, or make your own coffee. But they didn't know to say that. The other contingent is the ultra-angry um, feminist that, that I think men are so afraid of, that these these angry women, and I'm not one of them. I, I, the first thing I tell people in a men's room, we love men at the F-suite. You know, you guys are terrific. I'm not an angry feminist. I'm a feminist in that... I can do whatever you need me to do if you just give me the tools to do it and you learn that I may be doing it different than you. Um, but the, the women that come at men in such an angry way and demand to be treated as equals, we're not equal. I don't have all the body parts you have. Um, we all think differently. Men, these jokes that come out about men, about how men will never ask for directions when they're driving, they would rather get lost. <laughs> I know exactly where I'm going. <laughs> yeah. And women, these things about women doing the things they do, they come from something. There's, there's truth in them. So we're not equal, we're equivalent. You were made to do certain jobs here on Earth, and I was made to do certain jobs on Earth. And sometimes those barriers get, you know, there's men that stay home and take care of their kids. That's cool. But for the most part, women are very nurturing. For the most part, men are really good disciplinarians with their kids. They know how to say no, whereas mom's like, oh, sure, honey, whatever you yeah. want. It's just... It's a culture thing. I don't I don't know how we fix it. I'm trying in my little corner to yeah. to even the playing field. So let's talk about that. I mean, when 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 you're in, you know, your corner in your lane, you're you're at the F suite. How are you trying to level the playing field? How do you use a magazine to do what seems like can't be done? Well, you publish for two and a half years and then you stick a man on the cover and shock everybody. <laughs> because I... And you literally did that. I literally I've, did I've that. I've seen the cover. Yes, yeah. Yeah. and it's a cool guy. And it's not like I went to a friend and said, will you be on the cover of my magazine? Right. It was somebody who paid just like everybody else, the fee that caught, you know, he wanted to be on the cover of the magazine. Um, the only way I can answer that question is, my web designer's a guy, my printing rep's a guy, I have men writing for the magazine, my business mentor is a man, my insurance agent is a man, but I have women all in there too. But why would I not use the best person for the job? Because of, and just choose on gender. I welcome everybody into the F-suite, but I tell the men who write for us, you have to remember who your audience is, um, which is, I'm gonna, like, it's habit for people to write things or even say, um, 
he, she will go to the store, that he oblique she. Well, we purposely go she, he. If you wrote an article for me and had that in your article, I would flip it on purpose because my readers are gonna pick up on that. Yeah. If there's examples about things, you know, oh, once I knew a banker, that banker would be a she in your article. I'm gonna change it to that because my readers deserve to be hearing about women. Now, if you're telling a real life story with a name attached to it, I'm not gonna change it. But I think generally the dialogue has to be geared toward women because I do have men readers, but surely the bulk of them are women and they deserve to know that they're being talked to from somebody who understands. Yeah. Well, I think it you know, just relates back to business of, of knowing your, your customer, if you will, and knowing knowing your audience. Yes. And, and like you said, you've been working for years to develop an audience. Yes. Um, so we're not on a magazine right now. We're on a you know a video, and it's going to be released in a podcast. I mean, what are what are some messages that you want to make sure that your audience hears? I mean, as the publisher, you're in charge. You 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 have a say. You're the managing editor. You determine all the content. I mean, what are what are some messages that you would like your audience to hear? I think the biggest message that I want my audience to hear is what the mission of the magazine actually is. Um, the, and I purposely don't memorize it word for word because it never sounds authentic coming out that way. You sound like a Robotron. But the mission of my magazine is to help these women business owners run their businesses intelligently and in a healthy way and grow it to be something stronger and bigger because then they can step out and become leaders in the business community. And then they eventually, because women are doers, go out into the larger community and make an impact there. I firmly believe that men in general tend to throw money at problems and we love that. Um, men are very generous tippers, women are notoriously not, but women are doers. I mean, a woman will get five things done in the time it takes you to remember you got one chore to do. So I know that these women, once they um, understand the concept that you uh, as a successful business owner, have an obligation to give back to the community that made you successful. So find something that you can uh, donate or offer your resources, money, or time to, and improve your community. That's that's the biggest message. That's why I exist. That's why not I exist. That's why the magazine exists. Um, the other thing that I would like people to understand is that. The larger community, the larger business communities, bigger companies need these smaller companies. Um, we don't all work within a vacuum. When you go to, let's say, uh, I'll just one of these big law firms on Main Street, if they are having a board meeting, let's say, and they have all their board of directors or whoever's in there, their top lawyers or partners meeting. Where are they bringing lunch in from? A small business. Yeah. You can't call Amazon. I guess you can call Amazon and get lunch. <laughs> you can go over to Whole Foods and have it hauled in. But you need these small businesses for those kinds of things. Um, when you put up a, a huge building downtown, there's usually retailers on the bottom floor or smaller businesses that fill up. This, is, this building that we're in is a perfect example of that. Yeah. It's filled with many, many small businesses. Um, we are the backbone, the small business community is the backbone of the business community. And to that end, 
a dream that I have. I would love to be able to find a way to partner some of these larger businesses. And when I say larger, I'm talking healthy, strong, larger businesses. Take on some of these smaller businesses and literally adopt them and mentor them. Get Take time, like if, um, if there's a small business owner that really needs mentoring in their finances and you have a strong accounting department, take this business on. I will find, you know, I'll put you guys together and then we're going to tell your story in a year, how you help that person grow their business in, or, or strengthen their business in some way. I would love to be the person that, that works through that with the large community, the large business community and the small business community. I would love to be mentored in that way. I hope you get all those things. Um, I mean, Thank those you. are, those are, <laughs> I mean, how much better would we, whatever the we is, if the we is Columbia, if the we is our state, if the we is, you know, the, the, the larger we, because I think those are things that are, that are worth working for. And, yes. and you've turned that into a livelihood. Yes. Yes. I tell people wherever I go, and it sounds like, you know, it's not a wah, 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 Charlie Brown, but <laughs> you shouldn't just shop small, shop local at Christmas time. You need to shop small and shop local, not for everything, but for lots of things. Um, I shop at Amazon, I shop at Best Buy and all these other places. It's not the first place I look, though. If I can find it, locally for a price that I can actually afford, even if it's a little bit more than what Amazon or whoever is, is making. And I'm not dissing Amazon, I said I shop there. But it's my neighbor who owns that business. And I don't mean my next door neighbor, but why would I not support my community and keep the tax money here? Yeah. I, I, I just don't understand this, that's easy button, you know, and just going online and hitting you know. Yeah, I know. We, we definitely need to multiply that that attitude by you know a couple hundred thousand, and uh, it would be really interesting to see uh, what what happened there. I, I have an interest in small business, also in my day job, and uh, we see that we see that all the time. You know, and I think it does come down to, you know, on one hand, you need to make it easy to do business with you, and when you're this multi-billion billion-dollar company, you know, yes. you can afford to the technology, and it works, and, it, and it's good, but. But you can begin in such easy places, like especially if you're a business owner, go to the smaller bank. You don't have to go to these big, huge yeah. national banks. They don't care about you. <laughs> you're just a big, and, there, and there, there's, there's reasons we have big banks like that. Right. But your place is probably with a smaller bank where you're gonna get personal attention. And I tell all the business owners that I talk to, if you are not on a first name basis with your banker and you don't have a personal relationship with your banker, you need a new bank. Because I tell you, when I walk in my bank, I don't have any money, but I guarantee you, they come out and say, hey, Anna, <laughs> and they love talking to me because they know that I can push business their way. I'm gonna sing their praises because they've been so good to me. Well, Anna, you know, we've been a lot of places sure. um, and, and I've really loved this conversation and, and I think there's there's several, you know, footnotes out there. I mean, what you were saying about imposter syndrome and about b believing lies, I think a lot of people need need to hear that. I think, you know, about, when you talk about the mission of what you're trying to do through a magazine that I think a lot of people wouldn't, wouldn't naturally connect that, but they're, you're trying to grow a community. 
and it's not just a community within your audience, your immediate audience, it's, it's that's part of a broader community. And I think that a lot of times in the world of work, we can get so focused on what we're doing for that one group that we don't think about how that affects so many other people um, downstream. And then, you know, just your words on, on you know, it, it takes a little more effort. It's a, maybe a slightly less convenient, might even cost you a few more, a buck or two but about trying to remember that someone there had a dream, took a risk, wants to serve you. They're just in a smaller company. Yes. And they might not have a great app that's sitting on your phone that has a buy now button. Right, which is also one of the reasons we do these business owner profile stories. Because when I, if I were to go in and interview you and do a two page spread on you, we're gonna have a conversation like we're having now that's how the interview is going to come off. And so someone reading that article is going to say, oh, I've been in his office before or his business before. Now I know who he is. I'm going to say, so. you know, they can have a conversation yeah. with you now. They feel like they know you. We have these preconceived or no idea about these businesses. But when you hear the backstory, what it took to get there, the hurdles they had to overcome, the sacrifices they had to make, the genius behind it sometimes, um, that it's a family business. I'm shocked at how many of these businesses I run into are, are women-owned. I'm like, oh, a woman owns this? That, you know, Man Tools is a perfect example. <laughs> Nobody knows <laughs> that Man things. Tools is a, yeah, M-A-N-N. <clears throat> That's a woman-owned business. It's amazing. And uh, in a very male-dominated industry. Yeah. Um, just interesting stuff. So people always want to go in and meet her now. Well, Anna, how can people, uh, if they've got stories that, that they think you should know about that maybe you can use in your magazine, how can people find you? Our website is thefsuite.com, T-H-E-F-S-U-I-T-E.com. You can email me at Anna at thefsuite.com. There are magazines all over town. You can go to the website and see where there's one distributed. We're happy to tell your story. I would love to talk to anybody who calls me or emails me about it. Thank you for what you're, you've done and thank you, thank for, you for what you're doing and uh, for just being willing to, to just talk about it. Um, I think a lot of people need, need to hear this. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me, really.